Coming up, part two of the Sunday NBA extravaganza with Brasillo. It is all next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is stressful enough just with the airport situation. No matter where you're going, it's always packed. You're always worried the weather might be bad. Is my plane going to get delayed? You just want the actual place you're staying at to be a lights out experience. So if you've booked a vacation rental and you found yourself stuck making small talk with the host, or you've arrived to find out it doesn't look anything like the pictures, you know, that's that's the worst. You could avoid the awkwardness with Verbo. Verbo has helped travelers find great private vacation rentals for nearly 30 years. You heard me correctly. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your private vacation rental in the Verbo app. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find the Ryan Rosella Podcast. You can also find the Prestige TV Podcast, where we broke down Succession Episode 8. Me and Joanna Robinson and Sean Fennessy. Also, new rewatchables coming tomorrow with a pretty massive movie. There's no NBA game tomorrow, Rosillo. So we decided we will do an absolute banger. You want to know what it is? Uh, I do want to know what it is. I'm always curious by the selections. Trading Places. Oh. 40-year anniversary next month. We jumped the gun. You want to talk peak go-tos for young Rosillo? That was number one. At one point, I would say a couple of years of my favorite movies. Thank you. You've been helpful. <laughs> well, you criticized Chef last week, so we felt like we had to step it up and win you back. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what you said last week. I was just taking a slight jab. Sorry. Part two of the uh, big podcast coming up. If you missed part one, we broke down the Celtics throttling the Sixers and what that meant for both teams going forward. This is part two. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Priscilla, we're going to play a little game of what do they do now with all the teams that got knocked out this week. But let's start with the Lakers, a team that uh, has looked increasingly more like a championship team as March, April, May has gone on. I went to game four. I went to game six. I thought LeBron was absolutely fucking awesome. Unbelievable in game six. I also thought he was awesome in game four in a different way because he had such control over the proceedings. You know, it's one of those things. It's almost like what this happened with Brady and a couple other great athletes as they get older, their fucking sports IQ just goes to all other level and they can just problem solve immediately. They got Davis. They got two rounds out of him. They have all these role players. You never know who's going to play well, but one of them always ends up playing well. And on top of it, LeBron does seem like he can get there if they need him. 
he knew they needed him in game six. We're going to talk about the Warriors and how bad of a loss that was for them and what it means going forward. But from a Lakers standpoint, my question with them was always, how is LeBron in year 20 and how is Anthony Davis, who's made a glass, going to make it four rounds? Well, they made it two rounds. And they have a Denver team. I think Denver's better, but the Lakers have at least hit the point for me where I'm not going to like load up on and bet on Denver because so they have the best player. They're going to win this thing. I think the Lakers have a little bit of a look to them. They really do. I was I was genuinely impressed by them and especially how they stepped on the Warriors' neck there in game six. Where are you at right now with the Lakers as a title contender? It's probably the first time where I'm like, holy shit, this is happening. Uh, I, I don't know that I felt it before the playoffs started because part of me when I looked at the record was like, okay, you know, they have to make this push. Like they have to play these games to like win them. And now you're always in that weird stretch of the season where you do have, even though tanking's not nearly as bad, you have teams tanking, you have people resting people. And then it's like, well, they had to play it seriously. But then you run in Memphis. So it's almost like an extra playoff series, right? Yeah. It's like they already had a round one before they even had round one. Right. And then Memphis is a mess, which I know we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later, not only with injuries, but, um, you know, who that team is after. And then, you know, even though it ended up kind of playing out in six games going, man, Golden State was like such an easy matchup for them because they could just, they always knew if they could get downhill consistently enough. And I know we talked about it in part one, but seeing LeBron in the closeout game go, all right, like, do not let up here. Let's keep going. And I think it kind of gets back to the AD part of it where, you know, maybe we should just remind ourselves of, I don't know, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of going all over the place. Guy turned 30 this year. He had played since he's been in New Orleans, 56 games the last year there, 62 in the first year with the Lakers and they won the title. Then he played 36, he played 40, and he's played 56 games this year. This is actually the healthiest he's been in three seasons. And the reason we all freaked out about it, we keep revisiting the trade the entire time, is that he really is this good. And even if he doesn't score 30 and get you 15, or maybe he doesn't hit the jumpers the way that he used to, which made him even more of an offensive weapon. I, I know, look, I, can, I guess I can only speak for me personally, is that I still was like, wait, will it all come together at the perfect time for the first time since they won that title? Because that's who this team has been. They've been in this seasons long, not one season, yeah. seasons long. Like, what is wrong with you guys? Like, even last year when everybody was making fun of him, I'm like, dude, if Anthony Davis is average, Anthony Davis and plays 65 games, they're still probably a pretty good team. And I kind of broke my own rule with that. So yeah, I'm I'm open to it, but I'm picking Denver. I'll save my pick for the end of this segment. On Davis, I think what's intrigued me about what's happened with him in the playoffs is they don't lean on him that much offensively, especially in the second half, because I think LeBron's supercomputer brain has been like, we actually, this is what we need. We need rebounding and defense and you to finish around the rim, offensive rebounds or lobs, stuff like that. But we have enough offense. Just do all these other things. Don't get hurt. Wait, right? you think that was by design? Because I thought people I were do. pretty pissed. At, uh, I don't know. Because after game five, when they lost, I think people were pretty pissed at AD, what, had four shots in the second half? I felt like in game six, the way they were using him was so different than how they would have used him three years ago. I w- I'm shocked by how much they trust Reeves. And then D'Lo is kind of, does he have it? Oh, he has it. They trust him. Then he has the ball. But a lot of the offense was really running through Reeves and LeBron. And it, it seems like they're the most successful when those two guys have the ball. The Reeves thing's incredible. And we've been talking about it for a while. I, I, I came to the conclusion he was genuinely good like two months ago. 
you know, because I think in, in your head, you just think he's, oh, he's like one of these guys. And you, you think, you know, he's just a three-point shooter in the corner guy. And he's like the opposite. Um, to me, he, I forget who was the first one who said they reminded him of Gordon Hayward, not because they're both white, but just the way they play. Well, it's impossible. We're not allowed to actually compare. Go ahead. Yeah, true. Fair. He reminds me of Utah Gordon Hayward, the way he plays. He's just really smart basketball player. He's really crafty. He's really good, like in the paint. He's in the right spots. And the fact that he can initiate offense and they can run plays for him and they can attack matchups with him and then the random D-Lo and then the weird Lonnie Walker stuff that started happening in the second half of that series. I guarantee the Warriors and Steve Kerr must be like, how the fuck, where did that come from? On top of everything else that's going on, Lonnie Walker in game four and game six, being able to initiate stuff and make wide open threes. I just think they have a lot of options. So for Davis, it's great because they don't need him to get 30 a game anymore. They need him to have the game he had in game six, which is like, you know, he would have 20 rebounds. He challenged a bunch of shots. He played really smart. He stayed on the floor and the offense is a bonus. He was never that guy, but I think he is this year. You disagree still? I do. He took nine shots in game six. They were up 20. They didn't need him to score. Game four is the one where he had four total shots in the second half, and people were actually pissed about it, even though they won that game. And then, But they won. Like, so it, it was the right idea. Yeah, I, Look, we're talking about like a championship it. here. We're talking like, Because here's the funny thing about the Golden State part of this, is Golden State doesn't get to suck, but also be an incredible accomplishment. <laughs> and yeah. that's the way they've been talked about for the last couple of days. Where it's like, wow, they weren't even that good in any way. Like, okay, well then, now what am I supposed to do? I think Davis is going to have to be much more assertive offensively. I think it'd be great to see another team make Jokic work a little bit more on defense, which I think Phoenix didn't do. I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, (laughs) Phoenix Phoenix just decided against it. They they did the opposite of what the Celtics did today, (laughs) right? Phoenix was, Jokic just got to do whatever the fuck he wants in that that series. So, so, but, but I know on the Davis saying, shot so quickly. Thirteen point six field goal attempts in that in that series. Yeah, I want right? that number up. I actually don't want Lonnie Walker thinking he's Vinny Johnson coming off the bench. Like it's an awesome story. Did you see some of the shot selection in Game Five when it was like, "I've got this"? Because I was like, "Oh man, like you're still feeling like it's a great story." But here's our disconnect. To me, Davis is the car that I don't want to go cross country with, but is really fun to drive. Okay. If you're putting all the miles on him offensively on top of all the things they need from him, from defense, rebounding, and playing 40 minutes, like he played 40 minutes in game three, or game six. He played 43 in game four. He played 44 in game one, right? They won all those games. They need him on the court. I just want to take him for a drive. I don't want to go 120 with Davis. I just want to go 70. And I just, if if he goes six for 12, seven for 13, five for nine, but does all the other shit I need from him, that's what I want. And I don't want to put too much on him because he's made of glass. I don't want him to shoot 25 times and do all the rebounding block stuff because I don't think he can handle it. And he's going to get hurt. I don't know, man. You know, like the other part of me with the injury stuff where I think, I wonder, this is like a science debate, so we're not going to get too into it. Is, <laughs> I like is it. he is he actually at the point where he's played so long, the injuries that we think are going to end his season, he's actually like the body's more adjusted to him. You know, the wow. old Harbaugh that thing. he's where, weathered. Yeah, that he's a little bit more weathered and that some of the stuff that we all freak out about, you know, where you're like, uh-oh, he's down. It's like, oh, he's back up. He's back up this time. Let's do this. Uh, I know what you're saying. And 
maybe it's by design, but I, I think now as the, as the stakes get a little bit higher and we're talking about the Lakers potentially winning a championship, I'm going to want more than four shots in the second half against Anthony Davis, despite what you think is, you know, a calculated approach. I think in game six, that game, you know, granted, it was, it was like a 10-point game again there. We were like, wait, is this a game? But it didn't feel like it. didn't feel like they were being threatened like they were in, say, some of the other games in that series. The thing I noticed in game four and in game six where LeBron, he took over the second half of game four. Everything they were doing decision-wise. And then game six, same thing. He wasn't that interested in Davis. He was interested in all the other stuff he did. But what he really wanted to do was, you know, whatever the mismatch was, put Miles on clay, attack Jordan Poole anytime they could. I don't know if you noticed the first like five, six plays of the game, Wiggins, where it comes out, he's got this rib cartilage thing. LeBron posts him up and goes hard into his body each time, right? It was totally deliberate by design. I don't know if the announcers talked about that, but no. in the stands watching it, I was like, oh, I know what he's doing. He's fucking testing out Wiggins' ribs. It was like watching uh, a football team know that the right defensive end is playing on a bad knee. It's like, let's run four straight run plays at him and see how his knee holds up. He was in such control mentally of that of everything and he really feed the team really feeds off his confidence. It's really impressive because we've been really hard on LeBron sometimes over the years since we started doing this stuff about when he's out on his team, he's really out and you can feel it. And when he's in on the team, you can feel it and the team feels it. And he's got the like what's what's happening with Reeves? I'm just not positive this would have happened on other teams. Like Reeves now thinks he's like this go-to fucking dude. And he might be. And against Denver, he's going to have good matchups against Denver. Like, they're going to need him. You know, D'Lo will have three good games out of the seven. He just will. He'll suck in the other ones. Schroeder's been reinvented as OKC Schroeder again, right? He's doing, doesn't take the dumb, weird Dennis Schroeder. There's no crazy drives when they have momentum. He's just like, same thing. It's just playing smart. He's fight, And everyone defers to LeBron. And that's why I think they have a chance. But I'm still picking Denver because I think Jokic is the best player in the league. So I'm taking them for the series, but I do not I'm I'm do not feel great about it. I wouldn't bet a ton of money on it. Yeah, you're right about the Russell stuff because there's gonna be a night like in game three where he comes out and you're going, Oh my God, you know? And then there's other games you're like, Can Darwin stay with him right now? And I don't know if Darwin will get to that point with him. There might have been more margin for error against Golden State because I just couldn't get over the the big small advantage in that one as you were watching it play out in the playoffs. I was like, man. They kind of have this thing that they can always kind of default to. And that's why I think specific to that Warrior series, I would have liked to see AD take more shots in the second half. Again, game six, maybe they just felt like, hey, we've got this one, but it wasn't the case in game four. Um, they just didn't get it to him enough. But the Reeves part of the development was out of necessity, right? right. That's, how bad no other options. that's how bad the rotation was. And I think LeBron definitely trusted him because he's like, dude, at least this guy, like... <laughs> Is, is here every night and he's making the right play. He moves the ball. He takes the open shot. He's not just a chucker. He's not somebody that's afraid to shoot. Um, there's some parts defensively where I think he competes. There's other parts of him defensively that I don't love. But he's been kind of the constant after the main two guys. That it's LeBron, like what happened right? with Rondo that year when Rondo was suddenly, right? He All of a sudden, it felt like a big three because Rondo was so good in the bubble the bubble playoffs, remember? Where you're like, oh, you're talking Rondo. about the Lakers. Yeah, right. So in 2020. I mean, that, but that Reeves, Rondo Reeves run. is the same thing where it's like, all right, I don't, I don't understand this, but he seems like a, like he belongs 
as maybe their third best player. I actually think he's their third best player. Yeah, because Vanderbilt's hit or miss. I do like what I've seen from Schroeder. I really do. I think he, Me too. you know, has been a guy defensively at times. You think you're at a disadvantage with him, but I'll give him this. He works his ass off. He fights around screens like he stays in the play. He's, he, he's he good. He and Curry as frustrated as I've seen Curry in person in a game. Not like Curry wanted to punch him, but he was just following him around, touching him. He was constantly touching him and just just always kind of in his grill. And when uh, when he got thrown out of game six, I felt like it was going to be a big moment, but Clay could just never get going and they had no hey, chance. As much as he probably shouldn't have been thrown out, I thought a lot of people missed this. He was getting the tech because he wouldn't give the ball back to the ref. Yeah. And that was his second tech. So I get it. Like if you're going to the events and be like, this guy gets a ball shoved in his face, which Draymond, you know, that's the part with Draymond where I'm like, you know, there's some major shit on the line here. Like you got to stay and you're almost going to get yourself. 3,000 like two minutes. I know. In that know, game. But he he, he kind of unraveled. As much as it seems unfair, Schroeder not giving the ball back. But I think the other part of all of Golden State being frustrated with Schroeder is that he flops. So if you're a Nuggets fan, oh, yeah. prepare to lose like two calls a night on him coming around screens where he does fight to stay in it, which I'd mentioned earlier, which he deserves a lot of credit for. But there's going to be a time where he's not going to get there. And, you know, he's he can be a little funky with it. And he's going to get those calls a couple of times and it's going to be bullshit and it's going to happen. So there you go. There's some stuff the Warriors did from a ball movement standpoint, mostly with Peyton. There was a lot of backdoor stuff and just trying to lure Davis out past the foul line and then beat him basically to the rim. That Denver is probably the best team in, I don't know, 10 years of doing. They get all kinds of cheap layups that way. They're not cheap because they're great assists, great plays, but they thrive on that shit. They thrive on... You know, I probably watched Denver more than any other team this year, except for the Celtics. A lot of the stuff they do is perfect for what the Warriors were trying to do to the Lakers, but didn't have the right people. They just didn't have the right team to do kind of what they want to do. That guy, like if they had an egg, mid-2010s Iguodala would have been perfect for that series. Um, all that back cut movement stuff. I think the Lakers are susceptible. Um, and then you think they're going to put Schroeder on Murray. And he's going to bug Murray and be in his face the whole time. They're going to try to use Reeves to attack a couple of the Denver wings. And then LeBron, over and over again, when, it, when the game slows down, they're going to hunt Jokic and they're going to go after him and they're going to do exactly what Phoenix didn't do. They're going to do what Tatum did to Embiid today. They're going to try to use Jokic's defense, which, by the way, is not much worse on the perimeter than just about any other center in the league. But they're going to try to use that against Denver and put some miles on them and bang them. They're going to fuck with them. And, you know, I could see the game plan. I just think Denver is the best team in the league. That's why I think they're going to win. I still want to see somebody beat them at home. It hasn't happened yet. No, I, you know, I'd like them to be better on the road, but you go into Phoenix and trounce them. You know, and you just blast them right out of the building at the end of that first quarter. Killed them. Uh, and, you know, when Denver, when everything's kind of flying around, like I think their role players, like any team, any team can have role players. You're like, oh, this guy didn't do anything tonight. You're like, yeah, that's why he's a role player. That's why he's on his fourth team in seven years. But it's more fun to be a role player with Jokic and your lows may not be as sustained because you know, like as long as I keep running and as long as I keep running to the spots and I stay in it, and be ready to catch. I think the other thing too would be Gordon on LeBron, where it's just a lot more size and athleticism than Golden State had. 
Like they had no real option because they had to figure out the loony Draymond minutes on Anthony Davis, you know, and I give Draymond a ton of credit for trying. Like he's trying the whole time. He's trying to find a way to compete. And I think Davis, back to what we were talking about when we initially started talking about the Lakers, like sometimes can make it easy on the opponent there. But this will at least be more size to try to impede some of those LeBron post-ups where it looked at free money for LeBron far too often. Even t- like LeBron was actually making even some tough shots as he curled into the paint and stuff. But um, no, when he f- when he fades away in that turnaround, that's your f- best outcome if you're the other team. Yeah, and it was going when he's in, like going when he shouldered the basket. He had one play in the second half when he drove to the basket and he was anticipating the contact, and he's just so good and so smart about how to get a call that he just kind of flailed his body out, but the guy ducked away. So LeBron did this flail thing, but there was nobody there and he didn't get the call, but it was like, it just shows you like, oh, that's the thing you do that 19 out of 20 times your elbow hits a guy and they're going to call it. Like he, I don't know, man, that from an IQ standpoint, he's about as high. It's so funny, like the athletic ability that he has and all the other shit, but just from the way he dissects games, like it really is up there with Bird and Magic and Jordan for me. Which, no surprise, breaking news, LeBron is one of the best. But I've just never seen, it's like watching a quarterback. It's like watching somebody two-minute drill and just solving in real time whatever the issue is and figuring out like, oh, that's your issue. I'm going to, we're going to hone in on that. And what's cool is that he has the right team now that I, I think the hoops IQ in this team is actually really high. You know, there's, there's not like, there's no jackasses. It's all people who kind of know how to play basketball and where to go and what to do. So the fact that this happened belatedly, I do think the trades were a little overrated because like, I don't know, Vanderbilt barely played, you know, um, Malik Beasley doesn't play at all. The Russell hit or miss, but sometimes he's a miss. Rui comes in, he's another hit or miss, but the totality of it, it, it just feels like they always have two guys who might show up, you know? But that's back to the AD point. Like, yeah, all the trades happen, and they're all rotational guys. Rui had some of the Memphis games. You forget he's even in the Golden State series at times because you, they, tri- they tried him at the five once. You're like, oh, my God. Uh, yeah. D'Angelo Russell, we've covered, all right? I would push back maybe on the full five uh, basketball IQ guys with some of the decisions that he makes, but he doesn't yeah, I'm not make counting him. As, him. You right, knew I he, wasn't counting him in still, that. But he still is not as reckless because he's not in charge anymore. So him being in charge in Minnesota made him way more dangerous where – I know he's good for one of the games and I'm like, see, this is what I'm talking about because I've already seen a handful of them, but I was in attendance for game three and I'm like, this is also the other part of where the guy's so damn talented that he can make some ridiculous. That floater that he hit in what was it, game four on the baseline or was it game six? The yeah. floater that he hit, we were like, what the hell? Like, I can't he's believe- got a nice I- little, He's got that nice little post-up step back that he hits. I think one of the, the reason he's important for them is whatever play they're running, they don't have those sequences like what Philly had today where it just felt like they couldn't get a good shot for six minutes, you know? Like with the Lakers, they'd be like, oh, this would be the play where D'Lo has the shot. And he'll get a D'Lo shot. Whether you like the shot or not, it'll still be a three-pointer, it'll be a step back or whatever. Reeves will get something going to the basket. When Rui comes in, Rui's like shockingly big in person. He's huge. He's like a legit, almost seems like he's like 6'10". So when he's posting up a smaller guy, it feels like a good shot. Every Davis shot feels like a good shot, LeBron. So I think they're a really good team. I really do. I was really impressed by them. Um, And I really thought they broke Golden State by game six. And it wasn't just what was going on with Golden State. I think the stuff the Lakers were doing broke them. They were physical. They overpowered them. 
And there haven't been a lot of teams like this that could physically overpower you and get to the basket in the ways that they get. Uh, on the flip side, I, I just think, I just think Denver's awesome. And it's almost like, prove to me you're not awesome. I'm at that point with them. I think at home, they're going to be just about impossible to beat. Right. Unless I'm thinking about, are they going to try Gordon on Davis? And then do they go with somebody smaller to chase LeBron around? I also wonder if you're Malone, you'd be like, okay, let's see if LeBron paces himself a bit. Right. So that we can use Gordon on Davis to try to fight and meet him when he's setting up for position. And if LeBron's coasting for the first quarter, can we get away with KCP on him? You can um, kind of tell right away with that with LeBron, right? Where it's like, oh, you're going to, you're doing that thing where you're going to just go through the motions for an hour and you're saving yourself for the second half. Like game six was not like that. Game six was like, I'm, I'm coming out hard. And he was so exhausted like, that's a game too. where you got to put Gordon on there. Yeah, I, that's why I was just so impressed with him in game six. Not that, you know, anytime he does something awesome. But, you know, I, I want to finish, though, like kind of one of the things that we were going over there is we're talking about all these rotational pieces up, down, the whole thing. It just gets back to what we said in the beginning. Like, if you told me I was going to get really good AD again, then I would have thought the Lakers are capable of anything. But I, again, broke yeah. my own rule in believing in him for as long as I have being like, wait, you guys just think he sucks at basketball all of a sudden? He's 29 years old when this was all happening last year. Like, he's not just going to suck at basketball. And then right. I couldn't I couldn't make the health bet anymore. I'm like, God, he's just you the broke worst up health bet. Yeah, I just, sports media I, broke it, up. It wasn't, it wasn't that I all of a sudden, you know, thought he was bad, but now I'll admit myself, I'm like, okay, wait, <laughs> if you always thought he was this good, none of this should be surprising. You shouldn't be picking against them. Like, here we go. And I guess I'm doing it one more time. So we'll see how it goes. Really, really, really good series. And just last thing, and then we'll take a break. I really think Jokic is that great. Like I was texting Jalen over the weekend because Jalen had some quotes like, Nikola Jokic is vaulted to superstar status. I oh. know he's won two MVPs. He had, the, he had that quote. And I, I had to text him and tease him about it. But I just think he was somehow like ridiculously underrated, even though he was doing all the stuff he was doing. And that Phoenix series, you could feel from a casual sense, people were like, whoa, Jokic. It's like, yeah, this guy's one of the best offensive players of all time. He really is. I think he's like one of the, I don't know, 10 or 12 best offensive players ever already. And the last thing he needs now, why are you smiling? I'm just listening. I'm just listening. Well, you kind of half smiled like I was like pouring it on too much. No, not at all. I'm into this. Okay. I'm, 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 okay, like, I'm engaged. I think him putting it together and winning two more rounds and getting through LeBron and getting through whoever the East and putting on the map and then it'll be like, oh my God, Jokic, she finally did it. He, now he's, it's like, he just has a good team finally. This could have happened last year or the year before. He's been this good for three years. He's fucking unstoppable. And I can't wait to see how the Lakers try to stop him because they have the smartest player. You know, and how LeBron, how he tries to figure out with his little fucking chest brain, what do we have to do to make this guy work on one end and stop on the other end? I will say, I really, Darvin Ham's really grown on me. We're always like negative with the coaches, or I am. Um, he had, he, he has such a good feel for his team. There was a moment, I don't know if it was on TV, um, after Schroeder got kicked out, when Draymond went over him, was kind of going at him. Um, did they show that on TV? I don't know what you're saying. He was Finished. standing next to him and he was just talking shit to him and trying to get Darvin Ham upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Darvin Ham was just laughing. Um, but there was this moment, I think in the fourth quarter, Lonnie Walker came out. He played well for the most part. And then he took like one dumb Lonnie Walker shot and hand pulled him. And he like, 
he talked to him like where they put their heads next to each other, talked and he like hugged them. Like it, it was like one of these things I'm pulling you cause it's a better matchup for us, but I fucking love what you're doing. He like hugged him. I think those guys fucking love that guy. And he's smart enough to kind of let LeBron decide his own schedule. You know, LeBron at one point, I think he played 42 of 43 minutes in game six. I went to game four where LeBron just put himself back in. I don't even think he told Darby him. But he's he wasn't just, even he's out smart for enough a to not get threatened yeah. by it. Right. I was like, he's just like, he's... LeBron, you do your thing. Well, um, I think that's I don't think this is new for a head coach for LeBron's minute rotation <laughs> thing. Uh-huh. It's like how Ben Simmons will just leave my house now. Okay. Let Simmons. me ask any of you guys that are like big on the coach stuff. Have you ever watched a coach during a series that he lost? It was like, I really think he's connected to his team. <laughs> That's a good one to leave on a break. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all y'all packed up your car at like 11.30 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe, named best home security system in 2024 by U.S. News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service and home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com slash BS. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. So the other piece of that Lakers series was that they broke Golden State. And I actually thought it was worse than maybe the reporting and stuff afterwards. Although the reporting got a little bit dark and there were some big pieces. But just wa- watching what I saw in person, game four, game six, I said after game four on this podcast how they looked like coworkers to me and not a close-knit team anymore. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that that we've talked about where the, you know, Draymond punches pool. They have these young guys that all want to play. They have old guys who maybe aren't as good as they think they are anymore, who still think they are and carry themselves that way. Uh, A coaching staff that's been there for a while. It's just, there were things I didn't like seeing in game four. And I thought they were going to either lose game five or game six, but I didn't think they were going to come back from three, one game six. It fell apart fast for them. And they were kind of hoping for the clay game because he had sucked in game four and game five and he was worse in game six. And Curry was the only guy on the team who could create a shot. And Kerr has to go back to Jordan Poole at some point hoping that he's going to do something. He couldn't do anything. And they were just outmanned and looked pretty broken as a team. 
And it was really interesting watching Iguodala on the on the in the timeout huddles. Um, because they did the coaches do the thing where they all move off to the side. And then it was basically Iguodala and Looney trying to keep everyone together and be like Lou guys. And there's this moment in the second half where Poole was just mad. He was mad at everybody and they're trying to calm him down. And he was mad at Steve Kerr about something. Steve Kerr got mad because he missed a, a, he missed some sort of defensive assignment. He came back and Kaminga, and then Kaminga got mad that he never came in. There was two guys talking to him. Somebody else is talking to Poole. And I'm like, oh my God, this is getting dark. Like there's like, this team has real issues. It was like being at a Thanksgiving table where a couple just starts fighting. You're like, oh my God, our cousins, they're just, they're just fucking airing it out right in front of us. Um, to me, that team is going to make some, my my takeaway is that that team's going to make major changes despite what they said. I don't believe them. I think they have to. And if that change is just trade pool and trade, trade Kaminga, if it's a little more ambitious and maybe Draymond leaves, I refuse to believe they're going to run it back. That is not a championship team. It's not. Uh, you're right about the championship team part, and, and you're in attendance. And uh, you know, I I do think teams that are losing all look like they fucking hate each other towards the end of it. Um, and I felt That's like not, them, they weren't be, close last. They were close last year, though. That was one of the things that made them them last year was they they were all kind of pulling together. That's not what was happening this year, and that was the whole year. That's why they're so bad on the road. I'll say one thing, and then I'll ask you a question. Whenever they lost the Draymond Green punch on Jordan Poole was going to be brought back up as to some death blow. All right? Like, the yeah. only other version where it wasn't going to be brought up is that they won a back-to-back title, which wasn't realistic. So, you know, I, I think it's playing the results a little bit, unless you know for certain that they were all bummed out all year long, and that's why they didn't play as well. Because it's funny, because, like, Golden State loses in the second round. It's like, you know, we should have seen this coming. Like, okay, if we do the same thing with Miami Heat. Should we, we've seen this coming? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You could see it coming after game four, though. Let me, all right, okay, fine, game four. <laughs> game four down 3-1, series. they were bummed out. Okay, yeah, that makes yeah, but sense. So, I mean, but something dramatic happened to Poole this season, and then especially in the playoffs. Like, he averaged 11 so points a game in the playoffs. Right, but if they had lost to Sacramento, it was going to be Draymond punch Jordan Poole, dot, dot, dot. They almost they did lose to the Sacramento. They had the team meeting after game six, like the athletic wrote that whole piece about how Curry had to give like the first speech he'd ever given to the team in his whole life about how they had to stick together. I think this team had real issues. I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I'm agreeing yeah. with you on the issues part, but I'm just telling you like the way we tell stories is the Draymond punched a teammate story was going to be used in whatever fashion it needed to be used once this team was eliminated, which was more likely than not that they were going to be eliminated at some point. So the same stories that ran after game six we're going to run after game seven if they lost game seven Sacramento. And I don't know if that means the entire vibe was off all year. I don't know if it means, it was. Uh, was, could, the, could the vibe have been off because they knew they weren't as good? It was going to be hard to win a title? Or is it just because Jordan Poole regressed so much or just loves to foul everybody all the time? The reason I bring that all up is I agree with you on a lot of the Golden State stuff. It's just, what do you actually think they're going to do? Like, How much you, different do you think they're going to be? Can I greeny tease it for you? Please. Even though we're not going to a break. I'm going to tell you who the Draymond punch hurt the most. That's next. Then I come back from the break. That Draymond punch, you know what hurt the most? Draymond Green. I think it affected how he led the team. And you know what's really interesting about the Lakers series? 
All the Draymond stuff that he does that's great in a playoff series, he wouldn't do to LeBron and Davis. He didn't fuck with LeBron once. Practically made out with him after they lost to him. I, it was actually like shocking. It was shocking because part of if you have Draymond on your team, it's like, what are the benefits of having Draymond on your team? Incredible defensive player. Incredible competitor. Pretty good rebounder. Great passer. And he seizes on whatever the mental or emotional or whatever weaknesses of the other team, like he did with the Celtics in that, in that series where he's like, this team isn't tough enough. He fucking bully balled the Celtics that whole series. Did he try anything with LeBron or Davis that whole series? No. LeBron, I get it. Like he, LeBron's his friend. They, they have the same agent, like all that stuff. Like LeBron's like his big brother in a lot of ways. Davis is exactly the kind of guy, if you were doing a fantasy draft of people Dr- Draymond Green would fuck with. You'd put Davis on it. He didn't mess with them. And so he was kind of running around. He's like trying to start shit with Dennis Schroeder and Darvin Ham. It's like, go pick that. Why don't you start fighting the two guys who are kicking your ass? And I'll tell you, like, I think LeBron befriending that guy was really smart. Because, I, you know, down the road, you never know if you're going to play, play against somebody like that. And they're going against them. And Draymond wasn't doing any of the normal Draymond stuff against them. So that's one side. And then the other side is the leadership thing that it's pretty clear that he wa- it wasn't the same kind of leadership after that where he was like a fiery, you know, in everybody's face, like just love the team, all about the team, all about the team. And then he punched somebody. I did think it affected them. I think it affected Poole. Poole was awesome last year. He sucked in the playoffs. He was unplayable. So I don't know. I, to me, it's like multiple moments. It's how that punch affected Draymond and Poole. It's the fact that Kamingo wanted to play and he would. Like something happened with Kamingo where Kerr was like, I'm out. He'd stop playing him completely. Like you needed Kaminga in the Lakers series. You needed his size and athleticism against LeBron. They didn't even try him. So I don't know. It just felt like an end of an era loss. And I, I think these things end badly. Nobody's had like the Pistons in 92. They had lost to the Bulls the year before, right? And then they lose to the Knicks in round one. It's like, whoa, this is over. I, that was my feeling after that Lakers series. I, that To me, it felt like an ending... Like we're now moving into a different era with them because I don't think Clay's the same guy anymore and I don't know what Draymond is at this point. Agree with all of it. I don't know that anyone that ends goodly, though. Like it never, at the end, if this is truly the end, and the better bet is to say, hey, it's over, right? Um, yeah, but you can't because you're, what is the payroll? You did all the math, the payroll luxury tax stuff. with the, That's the thing with this is they have no outs. That's, that's the point that I want to get to is that I actually think they're going to look like the same team next year. So as much as people want to go, oh, this guy should be gone or what are they going to do with Draymond? I mean, look, they're 81 million with Clay and Poole. Clay, to me, I, if he makes some shots, we don't care about Draymond's punch as much months and months later. I mean, the guy was three for 16 in the elimination game after not in a shot and looking like he was out would, of one of the Sacramento Would you say games. Clay's a once-a-week guy like what we talked about with Harden? I don't know. He had like back-to-back months during the regular season. He had the highest scoring months of his career in two of those months. So I thought, okay, at least you, even if he's not, because he's not the same guy he was defensively when it felt like he was one of the best two-way options. Not close. That has not been the case. It's not coming back. That part's not coming back. The offense, I thought, I didn't think it was going to be, hey, every single game now, multiple games in a row. Every single game is a stretch. But, like, look at his shooting numbers. Look Four at the row. games. Look at the games where you go, Dude, he's, he's not even close. And then when he's not hitting shots, it's like, what am I actually getting from him? Because it's not rebounds. It's not playmaking. It's not that elite-level defense. You don't assign him to the best perimeter guys anymore because he's going to get cooked. So, that, so you me, wouldn't pay him $43 million? I wouldn't want to, but he's an expiring. So what are you going to do? Go to Steph and say, hey, we're going to move on from Clay." 
We're going to break this up to try to reinvent it around you. Well, Clay's opting in. Clay has a player option. He's going to opt in. There was some stuff in the I'm reporting talking about, about trades. I'm talking about trades. Yeah. Like, well, they're not going to trade Clay. I don't. I don't see that happening. They're going to trade. I think they trade Poole and Kaminga. I think would be the leading contenders. And I would still be interested in both players. Um, you know, I think Kerr. They tried to do something that it's hard enough to rebuild in this league. They tried to rebuild while they were competing for titles. Good luck. It's it's really hard to do. And, you know, all three lottery guys between Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody not being even one bankable rotation guy, it it really hurt them extending this. Uh, Wiseman not having another serviceable big because Kerr didn't want to play him. And then they don't bring in another big just to back up Looney because, you know, right. if you're looking at mapping out the potential playoff matchups and maybe they didn't map out the Lakers part of it enough, you're like, okay, wait, centers are a little overrated and they can get played off the floor, but do we have 20 other minutes from another center? Are we going to ask Looney to run around the whole time or have Draymond Green defending Jokic or AD if they were to get through the second round? So, well, and you lose, D, you lose DDV, who is their second best guy in game six, which is a problem. Uh, yeah, and Wiggins wasn't even close to being the same guy in game six as he was in game five, which is another thing where he's gone. You know, again, they he was gone. So then it's like, oh, hey, he's back and he's back for the playoffs. Let's ramp this whole thing up again. The numbers are the thing that matters here because Steph's at 52, Clay's at 43, Poole is at 29. Draymond has a player option at 27.5 million. It, I'm sure they want to re-sign him despite everything that's happened. So if he were to opt out, does he opt out knowing he's got an extension for the same number about for three years, maybe? Wiggins is actually a valuable contract because he's pretty good. He's not great, but he's good. He's at $25 million in the next three years. The problem is you keep adding these up. Gary Payton's $9 million. Looney's $7.5 million. Kaminga, where you'd still keep him on the books because you want the asset. Uh, DiVincenzo's going to opt out of his player's option. They are, with the repeater tax, they're $55 million over the tax all right but because Oof. they're they're through the second apron of the triggers their tax for next year if they keep all of this together is 250 million which is more than any other team's payroll their tax bill will be that much more so the question i don't have the answer to is despite how bad it looked here at the end and all the different storylines which are all valid i'm not dismissing any of it i'm simply asking like i wonder how much that'll impact this team from looking different because i don't know how many mechanisms they have to be different. You start moving out assets to trim payroll, then you're not actually making yourself better. Can you do that if you're Curry? Will Bob Myers be the guy that wants to walk away from Curry with still a few years left of his prime, we would think? And does any owner, even Joe Lacob, go, hey, a 40-something win team <laughs> that cost me $250 million in tax? Yeah, let's run it back. No owner ever seems to want to do something like that because no owner's ever had to before. Well, the other problem with him is he's got a lot of minority owners and the higher that that tax goes and the repeater tax and all that stuff. This isn't Matt Ishbia owning 80% of the Suns. This is a bunch of minority owners who invest in the team who look at stuff like, wait, we're going to pay $400 million and we lost in game six in round two. I, uh, well, let me ask you this. The Lakeups call you FaceTime. Not just Joe, but the two sons. The three of them call you. They're like, Rosilla, we need your advice. What do you think we should do? If they called me, I think I would tell them to throw away next year and just reboot and, and get out of whatever next year looks like. Not throw, throw away is the wrong word. I would try to get off that pool contract and I would make it very clear to Clay that 
if he does come back with the Warriors, there's just no way you're going to be making anything close to 43 million again. So you tell us what you want us to do because that money's not going to be there. And I would not pay Draymond any, anything higher than low twenties at this point. Cause I would really, really, to me there, there's like some real Ben Wallace mid late two thousands potential with him where if, when it goes those intangible guys, when it goes with them, it goes fast. And I'd be really nervous about that. Cause there's no plan B for him if his athleticism starts going, you know, and he's played a lot of games over the last 10 years. I would just be nervous about that. Um, and I would think about trading Kaminga because what, what am I going to, what am I paying Kaminga in two years? I don't even know what he is. And he's going to be eligible for the rookie extension. Um, like in a, I guess like this summer, but really next summer, I don't know. I, the trade I would be looking for them if I was if I was them is trying to trade Jordan Poole to a team with cap space so I can get a bunch of cap relief and maybe get a player back who's not as good but is way cheaper. And he gets a fresh start. And by the way, if I was another team, I would be intrigued by Jordan Poole. He's a change of scenery guy to me. You know, if it's like the Wizards or the Spurs or a team like that, the Magic. He'd make Sorry, a great wizard. Really. The Magic aren't touching somebody like that. You're going to stop dumping okay. everybody's problems on the Magic. Well, I like to bring them up just to make sure Saruti's paying attention. Oh, um, Oklahoma City's got cap space. They're not doing it. Detroit's oh, got cap Cerruti space. says, I actually don't hate it. That was a, he just, he just chatted us that. There's one more piece I want to mention to you from a basketball standpoint about this team. Because okay. we saw them get overpowered by Davis and LeBron, right? During their heyday, they never really played it. Did they play a team that could do that during the whole heyday, right? Because I was thinking about 2018 when LeBron had that incredible game one. That's the best game I've ever been to with LeBron when he just overpowered them physically and then went to OT because of J.R. Smith and the, the Warriors ended up winning. Um, but just in general, from 2014 on, can you remember a team overpowering them like that? And I wonder, like, is the league... There's more centers, there's more physicality, there's more guys who can kind of punish you if you're undersized. And maybe that lineup that they played had a little bit of a shelf life, especially if Draymond's athleticism is starting to fade a tiny well, bit. Well, the beginning, the beginning, no, because they had Bogut. And I mean, you weren't gonna and then when they didn't have him, they had the best starting five in the history of the game. Right. But but who's in the league in the mid two thousand tens that's gonna make them pay for it the same way that not Tristan Thompson. A team Thompson. with LeBron and Davis together. Yeah, not Tristan Thompson. Or Jokic. Um, like, if they had played Denver next Houston. round, I think Denver would have done the same thing, right? They they were going against Dwight Howard. They were going against uh, whoever was on Portland, Nurkic, you know? Uh, that Clippers team in 2000, you know, the mid-2010s. I don't, I just don't remember ever being worried about them being physically overpowered until this series. This is the first time I was like, whoa, they're not big enough, which is never something you said with the Warriors. It was always like, ah, oh, they'll figure it out. Because yeah, everybody series. kept missing shots too. Like that's the yeah. other part of this math that like, I'm with you. It was bad. When you're big and tired, I'd rather be big and tired than small and tired because when you're small and tired, you don't get there. But yeah. when Clay misses all of his shots and Poole gets out there to see how many bad fouls he can commit immediately um, and Draymond <laughs> or, doesn't or look at the rim. And then yeah. Wiggins is a no-show in that last game. Like, that's when it is going to look bad. I mean, it's a good point on the center stuff, but they were 
they were more armed. You know, they were more armed with. Uh, with Not those just guys. the center stuff, the overpowering thing, because like what LeBron was doing to them, I don't really know what their answer was. It's something the Celtics couldn't do against them, but it reminded me of in the the '90s Bulls. The one thing, if you're going to pick, like if you're doing the greatest teams of all time, and you're arguing, all right, how how would you beat this team? What was their flaw? And we never really saw what the 90s Bulls in those six years, other than Ewing, was a team that could try to, basically a team that was big could try to physically overpower them. What would that look like, right? Rick Smith was somebody that had success against them. But the two best Hakeem years, those were the years that Jordan was playing baseball or came back. And so we never kind of saw them have to deal with a Hakeem type. So it's one of those questions, we'll just never have an answer for it. And the Warriors, for years, it was the same kind of thing. Well, what would happen if they played this type of team? What would it look like? And we kind of found out in this Lakers series. I thought LeBron, anytime he wanted, could get to the rim. Anytime. Yeah, he's good. Um, we'll take a break, and then we got to do some what, do you, what should we do now. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, what do we do now? I don't think we even came up with a solution for Golden State, but that's fine. Phoenix New owner syndrome just running rampant here. I One of my favorite test cases in a while. The KD trade a minute after you get the team. Uh, firing the coach 48 hours after the uh, embarrassing playoff loss. Checking a lot of boxes. I'd be really nervous if I was a Suns fan. Because I don't really know what the moves are that don't involve me trading Chris Paul and basically rolling the dice on somebody like Kyrie. And I don't even know if Katie would sign off on that. But the Chris Paul contract, you can buy it out for half the price. And they could get out of jail free with that contract, right? So he, like, the, for instance, they could take Jordan Poole and just like, here's a year of Chris Paul and we'll take Jordan Poole. But um, it's that or it's Aiton. And people are like, oh, the Aiton's going to get traded this summer. And my question as always is, to who? We always say, like, oh, that guy's getting traded. We're going to make like a nine-team trade of guys that we think are going to like a basically a merry-go-round. There's not a lot of eight teams out there. I went through it. I went through it again, and I, I'm trying to talk myself into him with different teams, and it was really hard to get there. I don't know. What did, what did you do when you tried? Who'd you land on? Uh, if I were Dallas, I would try to do. I mean, Dallas first of all, was one. That, that starts my no Kyrie business rule. I wouldn't want to resign him. I understand why Dallas would do it because of retaining the asset, which is always kind of my default rule here. I like that you brought it up. Like we sit there and the teams lose and it's, well, what are you going to do? You're going to get rid of this guy. You're going to get rid of this guy. You know how often we'll have trades happen where we go, I can't believe that's all we got. Be like, okay, just to be fair though, the dudes that call each other nonstop year round for months and months and months before they actually pull the trigger on something. I think the reason why a lot of trades don't happen is that 
you'd be like, that's all I can get. <laughs> right. Like, that's that's all I'm going to get from my guys. And so when the trade does happen, we'll be on the outside going, I can't believe that they got hosed. And you're like, no, that's all they could get. So when the seasons end for these teams, as disappointing as it's been, certainly for Phoenix because of the last two years, you're like, all right, is it time to move on from Aiden? I don't have a problem with the Aiden contract. They're protecting the asset. Uh, he's not it. All right? He's never going to get tougher. He doesn't have it. He says the right things. He seems like a super nice guy. His touches per 100 possessions went from like 82 to 70 once he started playing with Paul Durant and Booker. So now what you're doing is you're playing, you're paying 30 million a year for a guy that's giving you like the eight or nine million a year center production. So you right. have to find an eight and trade where the other team's like, holy shit, we're getting the number one pick. We're getting him in his prime. We've got him under contract for a few years. Like he's not perfect, but damn, when he played there, he was like 18 and 11, right? Like there will be another team that would be interested in doing that. You have this to is the law it. of the NBA. You end up, right. you look at the basketball reference, you're like, whoa, 19 or 11. I'm telling you, man. And Pretty good. I, I think even with Aiton, you'd be like, oh, get him away from Chris Paul because it can be annoying, especially when you can't catch. Uh, I, I, His role will never be important <laughs> enough to justify that money. And yeah. I do think he's soft. And I don't think he's wired the right way. And I still think they'll be one of the 30 teams that can talk themselves into it a little bit. And one, breaking one of my cardinal rules uh, for trades is, is if I'm giving you one and you're giving me three, I'm probably losing a trade every time. Phoenix might be in the rare situation, and we can get to the Chris Paul part of this separately, or maybe together with Aiton, where I'd be like, can I flip Aiton for a Clint Capella discount type? You know, not even to Atlanta, but give me the center who's serviceable, who shows on a screen every now and then and can catch a lob, and then I'll work it from there because Durant Booker's still going to have the ball most of the time, and can I, can I fill out the rest of the roster? Normally, I wouldn't ever want to do that. I think that's what they need to do. If that means, however, moving Paul and Aiton to Dallas for Kyrie, which Bobby Marks in his offseason preview said, and, and I, I know this isn't always hard and fast with some of these cap rules, but it could trigger a hard cap, I think, in a sign and trade for Phoenix, which makes this a little yeah. bit more complicated uh, than people are just kind of penciling it in. On the other side, if I were Phoenix going, oh, cool, I get another ball handler. Like, again, if you if you were the owner and I'm the GM and you're like, hey, we got to trade for Kyrie, I'd be like, I'm resigning. I'm resigning today. I'm not doing it. I probably wouldn't, but, you know, it sounds cool because I'm not in the league. I'm just a podcast. Chris Paul is 15.8 million guaranteed. It becomes fully guaranteed on June 28th. Why is that important? Because if you're a team that basically wants to press the reset button on an expensive guy, or you want to package that Chris Paul together with DeAndre Ayton, now, now that's like basically $60 million on paper, and you could make you could make a pretty ambitious trade with that. And the other team could say, cool, not only did I get to have this contract, but I also can buy Chris Paul for $15 million, And I've traded $60 million of contracts for basically 45 this year. And I got eight and out of it. Like this is this is realistic stuff, you know? Like if let's say, I don't know if they'd want to do this or not, but let's say the Wizards, right? They they're just like, man, that Bradley Beal, I just I just can't do that contract. I just, it makes me want to throw up in my mouth. We just got to get rid of it. Like the owner just tells the GM, they don't have a GM, but whoever, whoever their GM is, Hey, item number one, just get me out of that Bradley Beal contract. Just whatever it takes. And they come back and like, well, all right, here's what we can do. I can Chris Paul and Aiton, and then we won't resign Porzingis. 
and we'll just get out of the bill and then we have this fixed cost. I'm not saying that would happen, but there's going to be a team that bites because they want to get out of a deal in that scenario. Again, I don't know if it'll happen. I don't but know that, if those are their options. Right. I don't know if Chris Paul is valuable as a money saving thing or, you know, the funny thing about all this Dallas stuff, which again, I think it's a little more complicated because of, uh, you know, if you, once you're over the tax or some of this stuff, like there's just certain shit you can't do. Um, but Paul with Doncic actually now at this stage of Chris Paul's life, it'd probably be a good thing. Like Dallas may look at it as going, wait, this is somebody who can run the offense when Doncic uh, isn't. You can come off the bench, maybe even like instead of prime Chris Paul, where those two guys would be looking at each other, and I think it'd be a terrible pairing. I actually think Chris Paul at this stage of his life needs somebody to carry the load a little bit more. I would have thought it'd been great if Phoenix could get some kind of comparable hybrid guard to play with and then run the offense at times. Then you get Campaign, who's talking shit to Christian Brown down 20 when Brown wasn't <laughs> even in the play. <laughs> You know, Brown came right. over late in transition, although Payne, you know, did hit a bunch of shots at the beginning of the game. They get eliminated. Uh, I have no idea what the value would be for Chris Paul at this point, knowing that the next year isn't even guaranteed. So I don't know if he's worth it as a wave guy or if some teams would go, no, I'll still take that on. Go ahead. Charlotte goes that Charlotte doesn't win the women Yama lottery, right? Let's say they get Scoot Henderson. And Phoenix comes to them and says, we'll give you Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton for Rogier and Hayward and future first. And Hayward's an expiring. Rogier's got, I don't know, 60 million left. And if you're sure like, whoa, we got DeAndre Ayton starting centers, the number one pick in the draft. Chris Paul, we'll try to convince him to stay. He can mentor Scoot Henderson or we'll tell him we'll buy him out in February or whatever. Um, I just think that as, as a package, that's going to be enticing to somebody. And then the other, going back to Dallas for a second, like that's the kind of move if Dallas doesn't want to keep Kyrie, they have to get ambitious and try to figure out how do we flip Kyrie into a couple things that'll help us. So if they flip Kyrie and Tim Hardaway Jr. and the Bertons expiring into Chris Paul and DeAndre, and they're probably fucking excited about it. I just don't know if Phoenix would be excited about Kyrie, but the problem with these new owners is Ishbia might be like, ah, I've played with guys like Kyrie. He's He'll be great. We'll get him in. Now we have Kyrie, KD, and Booker. We're going to be fucking amazing. I don't even care who's on the rest of the team. You just don't know. I don't know what he's going to think is a good idea. He's got Isaiah Thomas advising him. You know? Like, what if Isaiah's like, no, let's get Kyrie. I've known Kyrie forever. I can help. So the point is, I I think everything's on the table with Phoenix, except for trading those two guys. Durant Booker. First of all, Durant was signing off on this again. If this even works, then I, I'd like be getting close to being out on Durant. Seriously. Like, the Monty look, Williams part or the Kyrie part? No, all of it. Like, I love the guy. I love his game. Um, he's a big risk. You almost wonder if these trades could be conditional. It's like, hey, if we don't make it out of the center, second round, can we have Cam Johnson back? <laughs> like, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, no problem. You just have to give him back to us. <laughs> right, right. If we don't get out of the second round, we kind of want him back. Or, can know? we have that swap back? Right, and... I was wrong about Phoenix. I thought you'd just put those two guys together and then your guys three and four would be good enough and you'd figure out a way to get through it because that's what... Well, he got hurt though. Him getting hurt was the what if with that. They just didn't... I don't feel like they had enough time altogether, personally. Uh, Oh, when Durant got hurt during the warm-up stuff. But like, look, man, Durant signs the extension, then immediately wants out before the extension's even kicked in, wants all the people that gave him the extension to be fired and replaced. 
They don't do that. He comes back. He plays awesome basketball. Kyrie decides he's done after that bullshit. And then you knew Durant was going to, like, it was like this weird, quiet, like, what's going on? Like, oh, Durant's not saying anything. It's like, no, actually, They're broker saying, in the Phoenix trade. I'm, yeah. I'm good. We're working on this Phoenix thing. The Again, I should never be surprised by any arrogance level of the best in the world to do what they do. But not only do I want out, I only want to go to Phoenix and I don't want it to turn into a bidding war. So it's like, wait, you took the extension, you wanted us all fired, and now you're fucking us. And yet you only want to go to the one team where I think that impacted the pricing because Brooklyn looked at it as we might be able to get away with whatever we want here and ask for whatever we want. And then maybe with a new owner going, because it'd be hard if I just bought a basketball team saying, hey, you can have Kevin Durant. You can put him with Booker. You can put him with Chris Ball. You can put him with John Drayden. It was a pretty good team last year. Yeah, the depth's going to be an issue, but that's not usually that big of a deal in the playoffs. Like, you should be fine. Like, I can understand why Ishbia would sign off on that. So I wouldn't criticize him or any of that. But Durant has gotten his way now a bunch of months in a row. Bunch of years in a row. Well, I'm talking going back to 2016. I'm going from the elimination last year to where they're at now. Yeah. And I love the guy, but there's a lot there to go, hey, you got to deliver on this. Because the problem that Durant's staring with, and he can say none of it matters, is that if this is all it is for him as far as the winning thing, he's going to be, it's better than being Barkley, right? It's better than being Barkley. Yeah, because at least he was on a title team. But it's going to be the history of like, oh, uh, yeah, he got his rings, but, you know, whatever. And those guys can all say none of this matters. I think deep down, it's the only thing that matters. I think it's the only thing that really matters in the world that they're constantly engaged in because I think that's why they pull some of the stuff they pull. So he got his way again. And, you know, I w- look, watching that, I don't look at the shooting numbers against Denver and go, hey, he sucked. Let's beat up on Kevin Durant. He's not that good. And all the the resetting that we do with dudes. His point guard was campaign. His center was DeAndre Ayton. I'm not defending KD because I don't like anything about his last year. It's a shitty last year. Don't sign the extension and then, uh, you know, and then try to get out of there. I just, I don't like when people do that. But, um, I agree with you on the Phoenix thing too. Let's do this. Let's do this quietly. Phoenix is where I want to go. But then Phoenix has to trade basically every asset they have except Booker. Like to me, Aiton had to be in that trade if you're doing the KD thing. And I got to keep one of the wings. The more I look at that and think about it, um, my guess is Aiton. Did you do, did you do all your all your round <laughs> ring around the rosy trade, guys? I did. How many did you have? So I asked Rosillo before the pod. Aiton, Jordan Poole, there are all these dudes that are kind of around the same price range who seem like they might be available and could... Is there like an eight-team trade potential where just everybody kind of moves teams, like ring around the rosy? So who are your guys? Julius Randle. Hmm. John Collins. Oh. Who's been... I mean, he's... They already given him a fucking jacket. <laughs> like, like when you, you go on the trade machine, his picture should just be on the trade machine staring it at It starts with him in the Atlanta Hawks, not <laughs> alphabetically. They just go, okay, get to work. Here he is. Click click on Collins. That was really good. Uh, Thanks. I would put... Um, Jordan Poole? <laughs> Jordan Poole is in there. I Aiden. don't think... I don't think... Uh, well, Aiton's in there. I thought we already covered that. Uh, I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is in this group. I don't. Agree. I think Minnesota's going to try to figure it out 
with this group and then they'll they'll reassess. I'd be shocked if they didn't come back and look pretty similar and go, all right, let's let's see now. We got a year under our belts. It looks like Edwards is taking that step. You know, Towns likely is more likely to be healthy this year than missing all the time he did last year. Let's see what it looks like with the full group of the full season. So I think we Towns agree. gets mentioned a lot, but I, I don't think he should be mentioned in this because I think that would be that would be putting him in a more dramatic category than he actually is in. I have a couple of ringer uh, merry-go-round questions. Kuzma good enough to be in the merry-go-round? Yeah, and as a sign and trade. Okay, and the Kuzma's good. I okay, do. you know I think he's 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 good, and that's so Phoenix traded to that man. If Phoenix traded DeAndre Ayton for Kyle Kuzma, or how about if they traded. Uh, if it was a three-teamer where it's like Kuzma and Peel and... Who? Anthony Peeler? Poole. Oh, Kuzma, Poole. We're past two hours. I'm starting to get groggy. Kuzma, Poole, Aiton. That threesome. And just guys, are just they're just shifting teams. Everybody's just happy they're getting traded. Kuzma ends up on the Warriors. Poole goes to Phoenix. And Aiton goes to Washington. I don't know. I'm just... Like that, I, I feel like we're going to have a trade like that. I feel like we're going to have a three or four team merry-go-round trade where guys are just moving like on the trade machine, but it's actually going to happen. Okay, so give me your nine guys for the nine teamer. Let's come up with this list, then I'm going to ask you a follow-up. All right. Can so you read Aiden, your guys again? And that, so you had Randall, Aiton, Julius, John Collins, okay, Kuzma, um, Kyrie. Kuzma. I, I feel like Kyrie's in like this, his own unpredictable thing. Uh, we should we have probably to include put Miles him. Turner in there. It seems like Indiana likes Miles now. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if Miles. Right, I don't think he's available. Let's take him out. Let's take him out. He was he was in it for a while. Kuzma, Poole. Um, that's oh, six. Do we put is RJ Zach Levine in there? too good? No, he isn't. Okay, throw him in. Yeah, there's seven. There. Yeah, Levine would be. Like if you haven't watched him, new fan base, you're gonna be like, "Holy shit, this guy's this amazing!" Is, he had 51 is, the other night. This is fun. Yeah. Like why is why is he so pissed at the other guy for shooting tonight? What happened? <laughs> what happened? Does he always uh, raise his hand when the other guy is dribbling? <laughs> uh, do we put RJ Barrett? Do we put RJ Barrett in there? I think RJ Barrett and Randall both have to be in. I think that's fair. Because I think um, RJ is the easy move if the Knicks could load up. Like imagine if the Knicks, maybe throughout all of this, the Knicks are actually positioned. Because I still think you should look at the Knicks going, hey, when 10 more games, you have a real dude that is beyond anyone's wildest expectations in, yeah. in Jalen Brunson. Uh, Randall is a real issue, but it looks like they've been drafting well. They have some contract extension decisions to make, okay? There's a lot of that going on there. But you know, I think the problem is, is Milwaukee losing started getting Knicks fans that think some crazy shit. Like, hey, are we yeah. actually really good and we could win the East? And I still right. think, you know, as dominant as they were against Cleveland, which surprised me that was that dominant, I think it was just as disappointing as Miami. But I I would kind of go, hey, give it a week, step back and go, some good things really happened here for this Knicks team and not getting the Eastern Conference Finals shouldn't be seen as some massive failure despite thinking that they had more talent than Miami. All right, so... Um, Can I throw two more wild cards in? Yeah, I want you to keep going. Can we include Anthony Simons? I like it. I like what because you're doing if right Portland now. keeps Dame, then you talk yourselves into a 
And Dame and Simons together, I don't know. Maybe he shouldn't be included, but I'm just thinking of guys in that 25 to 30 range. Look, it's not an indictment on Simons, but it's no. a really good question because if Dame were to stay, you know, in Portland It's a team going, construction hey, question. Let's be small at guard. Be like, okay, let's move out CJ. Be like, what do you guys want to do? Let's get even smaller at guard. Right. Exactly. Right. That's why I'm asking. Um, is there a New Orleans... Anyone, anyone you would throw in there? I guess the salaries don't work, but Zion probably no, isn't eligible Zion's, for this conversation. Zion's like in a completely like different category of potential. Paul George is too overqualified for this category too, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so then, who's the, who's the best player out of this group? I mean, the best asset out of all those guys is RJ Barrett, in my opinion. I, I still like R.J. Barrett. I'm not going to get psyched out because Spo and the Heat kind of broke him over a six-game series when he's on a pretty weird team and Brunson was playing out of his mind and I'm not ready to give up on him. I think I don't know if Tibbs is the easiest guy to have as a coach if you're R.J. Barrett either. I have one more wild card guy for you. I think some would people th- would say Levine real quick, but that contract gets Oh, I so forgot gross. Levine was in there. You're right. Levine's the best guy in that. But that's... So if if... If Chicago offered Zach Levine for R.J. Barrett, who would turn that down? Or if, Probably if, Chicago. Levine's only 22. Can I'm we kidding. talk about... I'm kidding, but he's still so young. He's he, like 28, right? Yeah, I know. Gosh. Uh, I don't know. Not he makes less money than these guys, but would you put Jalen Green in this? Because only I only asked because like two weeks ago, Jake Fisher reported that Houston was everything was on the table for them, including Jalen Green. And the thing with them is they could take back a more expensive guy and Jalen Green would be cheaper. I would say he out of out of the young guys they have, he would probably be, you know, let's say like they got the second pick in the draft and got Scoot Henderson. And they're like, oh, we'll turn Jalen Green into a forward and we're ready to go. Yeah. I don't know. Just that's I'm just not, talking that, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no one ever trades those guys. They just don't. Like that's that's when we were kids. When people would be like, "All right, lottery pick, we're gonna move on." That's from. what made the Halliburton trade so crazy because that yeah. was like so rare to even see a guy get traded like that. It just feels like Houston's gonna do something weird this summer, depending on how the uh, how the lottery goes on Tuesday. Um, do you Kawhi? want Harden to stay in Philly or do you want him to go to Houston? You personal out loud. First thing that comes to your mind. Well, as a Celtic fan, I hope he stays in Philly. Because I, I just think that's, that, was, that, that contract gets meanest, worse every year. Well, the I, meanest th- possible answer. It's $40 million a year. Like, that's what are you going to do? He's going to be worse next year and the year after than he was this year. Houston's got to spend it on somebody. They have pretty, like 60 million free agency. Yeah, I know. It's bad. But that's why and they have that's, cap that goes space. back to the Jordan Poole thing where, like, if the Warriors really want relief, they could probably trade him and they don't even have to get that much back. Just more to unload the salary and then all the luxury tax stuff that comes with it. You could argue that's like, it's why they traded Wiseman because they knew Wiseman next year was going to be so much money with the tax. They kind of had to get rid of him. So if they feel like this pool thing, if they're keeping Draymond and they feel like maybe there's something that's sustainable. I don't know. Uh, we didn't talk about the Knicks. How, who are your keepers on the Knicks before we go? I still like RJ. Um, I'm a little worried about it. You know, they really needed him in some spots to provide some of the, hey, just bail us out of some of these possessions when the other guys are not here and that didn't happen. 
Uh, the quickly end was disappointing. Grimes looked scared at times. Hart also looked like he didn't want to shoot. He's a free agent. So I'd be curious what that price would be if it's in the $18 million range of people projecting. But overall, like I just said, you should feel really good about it. But watching Julius Randle, because I got so annoyed with game, uh, I think it was game four. I was home and I just, the game put me in a bad mood. I don't know. It doesn't happen very often, but I was like, I'm yeah. so sick of watching these guys right now. So then the next game, and it's an exercise, I decided I'm only going to watch Randall for the first quarter. I go, <laughs> I'm only watching Randall. So like I would lose yeah. track of what the score was. And it was so bad, Bill. I spent the next two plus hours only watching Randall. And it was so bad. It was so impossibly bad. And then I couldn't stop watching him in the elimination game too. I would have him on my do not touch list of like less than 10 players in the league where I would go, I don't, I don't really know that I want this guy around. Uh, if that's where he's that you're, I don't know. What did the, what did the body language doctor say? Uh, that it's almost like sends him into a seizure. Dropped him as a client. Just can't handle it. It's really tough, really tough watch. Pool. Pool in game four and game six. And I actually felt bad for Pool. That's how bad the body language was. Like I was like, oh my God, I hope this guy's gonna be all right. Um I think I wrote down, should he shave his mustache? <laughs> and I don't even know that that's the right answer. I was just again, just you should just publish shopping. your publish your notes during games isn't like a coffee table book at the end of the year. I to me, like you can dump Randall on a team like Charlotte. How long is Charlotte just gonna have? You know, when go twenty two and sixty, you know, like if let's say they get one Yama, they could start making some moves pretty fast to do something. But if I'm the Knicks and I could turn Randall into like Hayward's expiring, or Chris Paul, I can get him for a year and then buy him out. Whatever. That's how I'd be thinking of Randall. I think it's that bad. I'm with you. You also like. He kind of felt like it was the Knicks were his team, and it's so clearly Brunson's team. Like he's losing. Any popularity contest with Brunson for the rest of the time he's on the Knicks. That's a hard thing to deal with when you're, you were the guy and now you're not. I regret voting him. I don't forget. I have to go back and look at my all NBA votes, but I think I had him because I was like, you, you know what? Some the PVSD? Big time. Because I don't, I don't want to reward somebody who only cares about having the basketball. He doesn't care about I, any of the other stuff. I was stuff. thinking about the alternate universe where I sit, told everyone to fuck off and voted for Jokic again. Like, what a fucking victory laugh today would have been. At least you had Jokic, him on the like, just Jokic ripping through. <laughs> Do you believe that story? Mark Jackson. So Mark Jackson left Jokic off of his MVP ballot entirely. There's five slots for it. Uh, he left him off. He went on his NBA His explanation radio. made perfect sense, except for we both filled out the ballot and... I don't know how you would get there with the two, with the center and two guards, two forwards, unless you were just like zipping through it at warp speed, not thinking. It's because it's pretty complicated to fill out. It's like pages. You click to the next page, and there's instructions. And I, look, I'm telling you right now, I've only had a vote two years, and I'm always worried the first time you hear about like, did you hear the one person who left this guy off? I go right back to double check because we're <laughs> Make voting. Make sure on, you like, didn't fuck up. Right. You're voting on 60 plus things. It is completely feasible to fuck something up or like, oh, all rookie. I can't believe I forgot a guy or I can't. So I double, triple check it. I had Saruti double check my ballot this year to be like, does anything look insane to you? And then I give it a little time and I'm like, hey, and then I have my own list of think stuff. think that was that a I highlight or a low light for Saruti this year low in light. 2023? Low light. Low okay. Light. 
Yeah, because all the Franz stuff was last year. Having said that, uh, I, I, I can totally get why somebody would make a mistake. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, do you or, think Mark Jackson just decided to not vote Jokic top five? Like, even if you hated his guts. Like, Will I think Bond it's 50 50. Wilbon had Jokic fourth last year. And I was like, dude. I think it's 50 50 because I also think it's possible he forgot the votes for public. So it's like, Dore is, he, for some reason, he was rushing through it and he thought there were positions and he just fucked up. Door B is, He's like, ah, fuck this guy and didn't vote for him and then <laughs> forgot it wasn't public. <laughs> I think that's very conceivable. People have been making six. Like Jalen had Kyrie all NBA last year and then straight up was on the show. was like, I screwed up. As someone who's done it two years, I can completely understand just whiffing on something. or Especially if it. you're rushing through it. Yeah, if, if you're spending 10 minutes on it, you might make a mistake. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to believe, but I, I, it's just insane, but it speaks to like this Jokic thing of he's been this good for three years. And to me, it's inconceivable. Anyone would fill out an MVP ballot and not be like, wait a second. Cause it's number you're numbering it. Wait. One, two, yeah. three, four, five. There's no positions. Are you, am I hearing you say you wish you had voted Jokic MVP now? No, because I I arrived at the right. I do have some PVSD. I'm I'm not gonna lie. Watching Jokic, I've had a couple nights where I'm like, my my thing was I couldn't get over the three in a row. Really fucked with me, and I thought Embiid had done enough. And it was like, you know what? Over the course of three years, if this is two one, that feels okay. But I really did feel like Jokic was the most impactful player this year, and I felt that way the last two years too. Uh, yeah, look, I, th- that's not the award. That's not the award. Hey, no, who's going to look better in the playoffs? Um, you know, Jokic, it's not. Jokic cares less than anybody does about this. And more times than not, I think it's bullshit. With him, I believe it. And he didn't care about the award at the end of the season. They started losing games. They started looking bad. He didn't play defense for six weeks at the end. Right. So, it's, so know, it was hard to vote for him. But He's the reason they lost it. Uh, or if you were going to vote for him. And then people that voted for him, I still... Like, that was the thing that was so maddening about all the arguments. It's like, this guy's really, really good, and it is a hard decision. And as an Embiid voter, I was like, okay, I think this is the way I'm going because I think end-to-end he cared the most. Yeah, And I I don't mean care about the award the most, which he did, but he, he closed so strong. He was so good at the end. And he was hitting all these big shots and all this different stuff. But at no point did I think he was the better player. I don't, you know, I mean, that's not what the award is. The only thing I didn't like about it was people making defense that impactful with the decision. Because I think from what I saw from Philly, you could beat them down floor. They didn't always run back on defense. And I think that should matter. And I did feel like you could pull and beat away from the basket and do the stuff like we saw today. I, I just didn't feel like he was like the Kemba Matumbo in the 90s, which were, some people were trying to make that argument. And there were stats you could use in your favor, but the fact that you could run on that team for two-thirds of the season, really whatever you wanted. Like, I, I don't know. I felt like that should hang on him a little bit. I don't I don't feel to have too many regrets on it, though. Do you feel like people would have been chill if you left Embiid off your ballot? You're like, oh, I fucked up. <laughs> think, I think, think would. Think Perk might have mentioned it. I think. Uh, I think it would have been an issue. I did like that Mark Jackson immediately fell on the sword, though. He went on Terminator and Eddie, and he explained it. But you know, he even whatever. made a joke about it tonight on the broadcast, which was it was a good joke. 
All right. So we got the lottery on Tuesday. I'm doing a lottery show, by the way. You're doing your next podcast Tuesday morning. So I'm doing lottery. If you if you're bored, you want to pop on after the lottery, tell me. Um the next podcast I'm doing, the succession one's up. I got rewatchables Monday doing trading places, and then I will be on after the lottery talking about uh that and the uh round three. Rosillo, good to see you as always. This was produced by Kerm, Jonathan Kerma, and Steve Saruti, who is signed off on Jordan Poole, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton during the podcast. So congrats to him. Did you make I a great ma- magic? Chris Paul and the magic? Now we're cooking. Chris Paul and the magic, Saruti? Sounds great. All right, we're going to go. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.